Hopefully this is the last week with me with the handheld, but uh, we're going to rock it. Um, so if you've been with us at all in the, uh, the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called Flourish, and we've spent time looking at um, what does it look like for followers of Jesus to grow in healthy ways, and what does it look like to us to respond to God in, in healthy ways, and um, if you missed any of those and you kind of feel like we're kind of jumping in in the middle, we do post our services, the, the, the sermon basically online on our website, which is at ChristCommunity.life, but we also put it as a podcast at Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Um, and so that's a ways to kind of download that, catch up. Um, but the idea is, is that as, the, the, if I could sum up of the first five weeks, is that when we're, um, when we're loved and known by God, it affects our thoughts, it affects how what we believe, and as we believe and trust in who God is and what he's done, it has a profound effect on our soul. And so we spent the first four weeks looking at this idea of, of what does it look like for us to understand, know, think on things that are true, understanding who God is, and understanding that we're loved and having that have a formative effect on us, having it change us. And so naturally what happens when we're changed, when things affect our soul, we respond by wanting to maybe respond. Like when we're loved by someone, we want to respond a lot of times with loving them in return. And so we spent last week and we're spending again this week. Um, what does it look like then to respond and love God back, love him in return as we see that's the greatest command, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. But then the second one is like that, Jesus said, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. And so Last week, we looked at loving God, right? We looked at loving him with our heart, with our mind, and with our soul. But if you were kind of looking at the verse we were using, we didn't get into strength, loving him with our strength. And I did that on purpose because I felt like loving God with our strength, the activity, the physical exertion, essentially, of loving God often works into loving others, it works into us serving one another, right? There, there's some crossover there. And so I did do that on purpose. And so um, the, the passage that I was drawing from last week was Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And, and somebody asked Jesus this. He says, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, what, how do you read it? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will have life. And so we're, we're going to look at loving God with our strength. And then we're going to also just kind of at the same time look at what does that look like in regards to loving our neighbor or loving others and how that plays a part in all of that. So when it comes to loving God with our strength and, and loving our neighbor, the word, there's a couple words that pop into my mind that I think are important for us to understand. The first word is stewardship and the second one is generosity. And we're going to look at both of these ideas. Stewardship is basically... Uh, the easiest way to describe it is you're managing or taking care of somebody else's stuff. It's not yours, or you've been given it, but you're managing it or caring for it. And so one of the most, I think, obvious things that we, we see when it comes to stewardship is that the Lord has given us these bodies, right? 
And some of ours work better than others, and I understand that. Um, but we've been given this physical body, this physical life, and so there's an aspect where we're stewarding that, where we're taking care of, of our, we're trying, you know, whatever, healthy, whatever we're trying to be, so that we can serve God, so that we can do other things. We can love on other people. We can care for people in our lives. And so I think that just on a very small just blip on our time today, there's an element where as we're caring for ourselves in regards to a physical way, it allows us to care for others. That's a stewardship piece. That's a piece of caring for other people and also loving God with the bodies that he gave us, gives us. Another aspect of loving God with our strength that I don't know if we always connect, and that is working hard, like doing good work, right? Being a good employee. Those things are actually a way for us to love, to, to respond and love God as we're modeling being a good steward with the job that he gave us, with the body that he gave us, like working hard, being a good worker, honors Jesus. It, and because it honors our employer, right? Like, I, I, I've, um, I remember when I was in Los Angeles, um, we had a bunch of, of, we'd always have different things. We had a bigger church. We had different things that we had to get fixed or contractors. And the amount of, and I've shared this a few times before with people individually, but what was so sad is we tried to hire Christians to do the work because we wanted to keep the money in the family. And they did the absolute worst work. And we formed a policy that we are no longer going to base work on, on whether they're followers of Jesus or not. Because there wasn't a work hard. They didn't do well. There was this, it was this weird aspect. And we're like, man, that's such a bummer that followers of Jesus aren't even working hard and doing well in the church, right? And so there's an aspect where, as we're loving God, involves us being good employees and working hard and doing, working with our, all of our effort and doing a good job in those regards. I think another aspect of loving God with our strength that we always have to keep in mind is the reason why we want to take care of ourselves, the reason why we want to be good workers, is because at the end of the day, we're all called, if you're a follower of Jesus, onto the mission of God, okay? God has a mission, and we are commissioned as followers of Jesus to be a part of that mission. The mission is to go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. So we're all playing a part in that. We may not be the ones going into all the world, but we are partnering with and, in, and being a part of that larger mission. For us, it might be going into our neighborhood. It might be inviting our next door neighbor. Whatever it may be, we're all part of mission. And so loving God with our strength is being a good worker, being healthy, and being able to care for other people and reach other people. And so those are both kind of uh, one aspects before we jump into the idea of serving one another. So when it comes to loving others as ourselves, as it says in Luke chapter 20, 10, 27, as well as in Mark 12, 30, the idea is this. We're not just called to serve one another just because it's another thing to check off our checklist. The idea is it's because I'm loved by God, because he has loved me, therefore, out of a place, ideally, out of a place of fullness, I'm able to love others. I'm able to love others through service, through whatever it may look like. And when it comes to this idea, it's because I'm loved I'm able to love others, not, because I'm, not that I'm loving others to be loved by God, right? We always have to have that kind of at our forefront of our mind, that it's not, I'm not doing this to be loved. I'm not doing this to have that God have liked me more. It's I'm doing it because I already am. And so when it comes to this idea of, of loving others, the word generosity, I feel, is at the forefront of my mind. Generosity is this idea of 
of giving generously of our time, of our whatever it may be, resources, effort, whatever it may be. I like Hebrews chapter 13, 15 through 16 says this. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of uh, lips that acknowledges his name, but also it's do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Such are sacrifices that are pleasing to God. And so when I say generosity, hopefully the first thing that doesn't pop into our mind is money. Because generosity is, is not just that. It's a whole life response to a generous God. Generosity is taking what we have received from God and it's sharing it with others. And you can see that it, generosity and stewardship go such hand in hand with each other. There's so much overlap. Here's the reality. Our generosity grows the more that we see that we serve and are loved by a generous God. And really, as we see in this passage in Hebrews, it's a form of generosity. I mean, it's a form of worship. Another aspect of generosity is it shows where our, our treasure's at in regards to, especially when it comes to with our, we're going to look at time, uh, talents, and we're going to look at treasures at the very end. But especially when it comes to our time. Here's the reality. As we're growing in, more in love with Jesus, as we're understanding that we're loved by God, what ends up happening as, as we see in Psalm chapter 37 is that if you delight yourself, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Now, what that passage is saying is not that we get what we want, but that we want what we get, right? That, that our desires begin to change and we begin to want to care for other people. We want to care for our neighbor. And so what we're trying to do and what this time is, especially today, is giving us ideas and understandings of what is that, those desires that might be stirring within you, what does that look like as an outlet in regards to caring and loving for one another? Because as we're growing in more with love, our treasures change, our desires change, the things that we love might change. Um, the idea is his presence begins to be better, and so we respond to wanting to share that presence with others. And so the three areas I want to look at in regards to these is, first off, one is talents. Talents. Um, Romans chapter 12 does a good job of talking about this. I'm going to read it. Verse 1. And I'm going to go through verse 6. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, even though it doesn't say it there, it means it, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace that is given to me, I say to every one among you, do not think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but think sober judgments, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions. And so, though many... As one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having the gifts differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion with our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Nine just says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And so we see this idea that we're a part, the, the metaphor that we see throughout Scripture is that those that are followers of Jesus are part of a body. We're like a physical body. And just like 
our physical bodies have different parts, fingers, members, different parts of us, arms, legs, right? That they, they all are part of the body. They all have an important role to play, but they're very, very different. Some, you don't even realize how important they are. You know, like you lose your big toe, get really hard to balance, right? Something so small has such a profound impact on the overall balance, right? This idea that we're part of the body, we all have different aspects that are important to it. We all have something to offer. So we see Paul going, hey, first off, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, right? And, and then it leads the reader to go, well, well, how? And Paul immediately transitions into body life. So how we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, how we, we are doing this spiritual act of worship physically, right? Loving God with our bodies is in loving one another is the primary way. Participating in the body of Christ. Understanding that if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter where you're at, you have a place, you have a purpose, and you have a part in the body of Christ. And so Paul lays out different giftings here, right? <clears throat> he goes, if you prophesy. Prophecy, it could be, you know, back in the day of speaking something in, that's in the future, but ultimately prophecy is speaking the truth and about God, right? It's a proclamation of God and his word, right? And so we don't see as much of that in today's vernacular, but, um, but you know, God can do whatever he wants, right? I'm not gonna tell him what he can do. But, but the stuff we do see are the next on the list. We see more of this, right? He said, if you serve, serve, serve well. If it's teaching, if it's somebody that exhorts, exhorting is encouraging somebody, telling them like, giving them words of wisdom, things like that, um, contributing, you know, somebody that has, he said, contribute, be generous, leadership, acts of mercy. The word mercy means to not give something, somebody what they deserve, right? So people that need mercy, like, they're, they're typically not deserving of it, right? It's acts of mercy. It's, it's being, like, benevolence. These things where we're coming along people that maybe are troubled and, and everybody's written them off, like, those are acts of mercy. We don't have time to get into it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has another list of things that people can do. The big idea is this. We have all been given something by God. You may not know what it is, but you have. You may have multiple gifts that you've been given, things that you're good at, things that you are naturally have a, um, a bent to do. We all have different functions in the body of Christ. We've all been given gifts by God. And the purpose of these gifts is that, one, that we use them. And two, that we use them for others. If you notice, we've all been given something, at least one thing, for others. It's not for us. Now, you know, God might, we might be good at something, and God might use it in our lives so that we might have a job or a career or things like that. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, he's gifted us in ways so that we could care for one another, Right? And so it's just really this beautiful picture of, the, of all of these participants in the body of Christ coming together and looking for ways to care for and serve one another. And this is the ideal. It is so beautiful because in a setting like that where everybody is coming like, how can I contribute? How can I give? How can I care? How can I love? Everyone leaves full. Everyone leaves full. But when we have a, when we have a context where people are always like coming to... I, to take, and I, I need, now there's nothing wrong with being needy, be needy, right, like, we, this is the place to be needy is in the body of Christ, but if everybody's coming just to get, I mean, I've had so many people like this very consumeristic mentality when it comes to church, 
that it's a, like we're selling a product. And it's, I like their, like we're connoisseurs. Like, well, I like their worship. It's a little weird sometimes. Or like, Cody gets weird with his hands. He can't, this thing is driving me crazy, man. Like, whatever. I get it. We may not be a fit. I'm fine with You're not going to hurt my feelings, right? But, but sometimes the church has become so consumeristic, and the mentality has always been that we've got to have this best product, and if we don't just do everything right, we're not going to attract people and all these things. Like, there's some truth to that, but the, at the end of the day, we're coming to be a part of a body. Is God calling us to be a part of this body? And how can I contribute to the person next to me, and the person in front of me, and the person behind me? Like, that's what it's about. Because at the end of the day, that's part of our mission. Because as people that don't know Jesus come into this space and they see us caring for one another and we see him caring for them, they're going to be changed because they're going to experience the love of God. That is how we're sharing the love of God with one another. It's through caring and serving for one another. And that starts with our talents. It starts with what we have to offer. And so that, with that comes a couple questions. We've got to first off ask, God, how have you gifted me? You... I think so often when it comes to body life, people go, it has to be this spiritually, like, like I got to understand theology, or I got to have this spiritual, but it's like, listen, I am so bad at administrative things. Like, I'm not great at it. I can do it, but it will, it will kill me, right? And so one of the things that I've been so thankful for as, as people have entered into our body is that they're so much better, like, it's natural to them, right? And so I'm like, like, man, admit, like, emails and paperwork and paying bills, like, that's a gift. Thank God we have people that can do that. Right? Like, practically. So that's, like, you don't even think, like, well, I'm good at that stuff. Like, that's, that's helpful. Right? Um, so it's what are you gifted at? And then I think another question asked is, well, what can I do? So often I think the first question we go is, well, I can't do that. I don't know how to do this. Well, what can you do? What can you do? Right? And so here's the thing. I don't want this to be a guilt trip on anyone. If you're, like, if you're, here's, like, my heart. We want to be a place where you can come and rest, okay? First and foremost, we, there is so many churches that can just get involved, do, 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 do. Listen, you might be burnt out. You might be done. That's fine. Sit. Sit at Jesus' feet and rest, man. Sit and rest. Experience the love of God. Understand that you're loved deeply by the Father. But for those of you who are like, man, I've been in that space and I'm feeling like I want to get involved. Listen, Come. There's a lot of things to do. Um, one of the things that I, don't, I think many of you know, but maybe some of you don't, is that everyone at Part of Christ Community is 100% volunteer. None of us are paid. All of us have jobs. Most all of us have families, kids, life. I get it. I get it. I get we're busy. And so I understand that you might not be in a space that's fine, but like all of us are in the same boat like, one of my favorite things about the season that we're in is that God reminds me constantly if it's a lot for me, it's a lot for anybody else. So like, we're all coming together just given what we got on a Sunday morning. I mean, one of my favorite things is to see how God has really blessed the worship ministry. They come and they practice, like, they're practicing like an app 45 minutes before. And ladies, it's been beautiful, right? It's been super cool. So as we all come together, we're able to all contribute because we're all in this together. So if you want to get involved... Uh, there's the welcome cards here has information. We'll have somebody get back to you. There's also on our website, there's stuff like that. And you might be like, hey, I don't know. Put me where you need me. We got kids ministry. There's always an opportunity there. We got sound. We got setup, teardown. There's a lot of things like that. How we do it is we typically like to put you on a schedule. It's not just show up whenever you want. 
we like to actually schedule stuff out so we know who to count on, right? right? We're going to have four people this week and three people. And our goal is, is if we get enough people, then maybe you serve once a month, right? And that's awesome. We have enough people where, where it's like, I serve once a month, and then the rather three, three, days, three days or four days of the month, I'm able to just come and, and be filled and encouraged. Which the next thing we lead into is um, loving others with our time. Loving the others with our time. Now, there is some um, crossover here in regards to serving others involves time. I get that. And like I mentioned, we all have the same amount of time in each week. We all have time commitments and things like that. But the reason why I wanted to bring up time is time costs something. In fact, I would say time is the most valuable thing we have. We only have so much of it. We all have the exact same amount of it. Right? It's not like money, where some people have a lot of it, some people have a little bit. We all have the exact same amount of time. And so I understand that a commitment to another person costs. There's a cost involved, because that means I'm taking time from either my family, my children, myself, my job, whatever. Like, I understand that. But it's good to understand that time has a cost, and also that is a way to love other people. Because as we've looked at serving one another, like the service and the sweat aspect of it, that takes time. <clears throat> but I think another more, almost more important aspect of that is something called fellowship. You might also call it community. Um, the Bible has a definition for it, and it's called koinonia, which is a Greek word that basically means intentional relationships, cooperation, participation in sympathy, suffering, and labor. Um, the idea is this. As followers of Jesus, we are relational beings. We're image bearers of God created by a relational God to be in relationship with one another. It is important. And fellowship is this intentionality in relationships with other followers of Jesus. I've kind of, basic definition I kind of formulated is disciples of Jesus delighting in who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's said as they love and care for one another while working together to make more disciples of Jesus for the glory of God. Relationship's important. Fellowship is important. Community is important. Now, it looks different for different people. I understand that, right? Like, my wife and I, like, our whole mentality since we moved to Utah is like dinners, man. Have people over for dinners. We've had hundreds of people into our home. I mean, it, it has been a part of our culture, but I know some of you are like, that sounds absolutely petrifying. <laughs> I think that's miserable. Or the idea of going to somebody else's house for dinner and having, like, three other families there sounds like, it's so, the one thing, when, if you would have heard me a year ago, or two years ago when we first started, I'm like, this is the only way to do it, community groups, right? And then God brought all these, like, introvert friends into my life, and they're like, dude, that's the worst sounding thing I've ever heard, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. And so I feel like the Lord stretched me in that way, going, okay, well, how do we, so if, if I believe that community is a part of body life, and it's absolutely necessary, how can we facilitate community in our church? Maybe it's meals, but maybe it's not. And so one of the things that I've found uh, we, that is, is there's different ways to connect. Maybe for you, it might be the, the Sunday morning Bible study class. It's a way for you to connect with other people. You're learning together. That's where you draw this connection. You might develop friends there. Another way is serving. My goodness, I'm going to trip over that. My goodness, that is a great way. You serve with somebody and you start connecting. In fact, if we look in the New Testament, um, almost every passage where there is an uh, explicit command, right? Do this, do this, 
do this as Christians, right? Where it's telling us, do these things. It's almost every single time in context of relationship. It's almost always plural. It's called one another's, right? Love one another, right? It's not like, it's not in singularity. It's not me by myself. It's always in plural. I got some for you. 1 John 4.12 says that Christians in community, that how they're to love one another. Hebrews 3.13 tells us to encourage one another. Hebrews 10.24 tells us to spur one another in love and good works. Galatians 5.13 says serve one another. Romans 15.14 says instruct one another. 12.10, honor one another. Ephesians 4.32, be patient with one another, forgiving one another. Galatians 6.2 says bear with one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.25 says speak truth to one another. It might be a way to connect with other people is, is serving and caring for them, partnering with them. We're going to look in a few minutes of some different ideas we have, but here's the idea of community, relationships. Sometimes you don't get to choose it. Sometimes it's, it, they choose you, okay? And you got to be okay with that, right? I remember when I got back from Bible college, this is like in 2000, whatever, something early on in life. I don't remember how, 2000, yeah. Um, I, all my friends were all uh, partying, I used to, and then I, I wanted to start a Bible study for these people, and, and like thinking I'm going to save all my friends. None of them came. But other people did, and so people that I couldn't be more different from, like we were like on different ends of like life, okay? These people came. These people became my dear friends. I still to this day, they're very different than me, but those people were my community, and they loved me, and I tell you what, it was because of those people that my life is the way that it is. It was because of those people that I started going down to Olympia, Washington, to a Bible study where I met my wife. It's because of those people that I have friendships and all of these other things because that community was chosen for me because those guys decided to love this guy in Tacoma, Washington, like in the hood, thinking that they're gonna, these guys like from Olympia, like these hippies, come and love me. It changed my life, right? So I say that because of this. There's a quote by a guy named Parker um, Palmer. He says, in true community... We will not choose our companions, for our choices are so often limited by self-service motives. Instead, our comp companions will be given to us by grace. Often they will be persons who will upset our settled, vile self of the, and sense of the world. In fact, we might define true community as the place where the person that, least, that you least want to live with lives. Sometimes we have people that we enjoy, but sometimes you have get the people that they're just part of your life, and, and sometimes you look around and go, God, who have you brought into my life to be in relationship with? Sometimes the best friends are the people that need friends. We all need friends. I say that because it's easy to accumulate people that are like us, but then what ends up becoming is an echo chamber. The best community sometimes is people that aren't like us, that maybe aren't in the same season of life as us, that maybe are in a different place, and so you're getting perspective that you normally wouldn't get. You're getting challenged in ways you normally wouldn't. Sometimes these people irritate you. That's why the Bible, if you read throughout the Bible, it says bear with one another, brother. love one another, forgive one another. Why is it telling us to forgive one another? Because we'd be sinning against each other. We're hurting each other's feelings. We're bearing with one another's burdens because sometimes people are a burden. Sometimes you're the burden, right? Thank God we, we're called to other Christians to love on us when we're the burden. Community is important. It looks very different. Why do we need it? We need to be reminded of the gospel. The ideal purpose of Christianity is that we're challenging and reminding each other of the gospel, that we're loved by God. We need to be reminded that it's not about me, that I'm called to love other people. I need to be reminded that I'm loved by others. 
I need to be reminded that Jesus is better. In community is the context we see in Scripture, especially in Matthew chapter 18, where he said, go to your brother. If you see him in sin, go to him. That's people in community. It's not some random guy you see down the street, like, that guy's messing up. I'm going to go tell him why he's messing up. Like, that's not what we want. We want to go to our, our friend and come and say, hey, you're out of line here. I heard you say this. I saw you do this. What's going on? Jesus is better. Turn to him. That's so much better than some random stranger telling you to, like, get your attitude to check, right? So the idea is that we need community because we need to be reminded. And it may involve hospitality. It may be, involve other ways. Here's some practical things. Pray about a couple people that God has brought into your life that you want to, that maybe there's, you're already in a relationship with, and say, let's plan on getting together regularly. Maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once every other week, and sit there and just pray for one another. Maybe study the Bible together, but just have an intentional time of connecting that's, below, that's not just surface, okay? It's not just like, let's get around and talk about the Super Bowl. That's also community. Like, do that, but also have a time intentional. Maybe it's two, three of you getting together. That's a way. Another way I do want to see grow in our church, and it, I, it's been I'm baffled that I, I don't know how to do it, is community groups. We'd love to have more community groups here. If you're interested in hosting a community group, you've done them before, come talk to me. Come talk to Paul. We'd love to facilitate that. Right now, we don't really have any. Like, all the ones we have are maxed. And, and, and that's an area that I've, I've found so much help from, but it may not be for you. Another way to experience fellowship and community is, is um, like I said, um, serving, but also dinners. If, you're a, if you like to host people, invite people at a house for dinner. There you can just hang out. Like, conversation will naturally happen. There's something powerful about meals and the table. In fact, we see it throughout Scripture. Jesus was always having meals with people. I mean, you think about Zacchaeus, right? The wee little man. Wee little man was he? Meal, right? Mary Magdalene meals, Pharisees meals, meals. That's another one. Lastly, treasures. I don't talk about money a lot ever here. I think I can count on two fingers how many times I've talked about it. Um, the reason for that is because it has been so abused in the church, just plain and simple. When you have your finances being audited, it can definitely rub people wrong. When you communicate that God needs your money, it's a lie. He doesn't need your money. When, you, when it's communicated that if you give to God, God will give back to you tenfold, that's a lie. That stuff makes me pissed off. Sorry, children. Family service. Pastor saying weird words. Okay. But here's the reality. I'd be doing a disservice to followers of Jesus if I didn't talk about money. It is the worst thing, and, and I think that gets abused, but at the same time, it's an aspect where it's important for us to understand. The reason why I paired it with everything else that I did is because it's part of being generous. It's part of responding. It's part of loving God. It's part of being on mission. It just is. Generosity is the hallmark of spiritual growth, and it's a tangible expression of trusting God. And in fact, donations and tithes, whatever you want to call it, we've seen it be the hallmark of God's economy from Israel back early Israel, to the building of the temple, to the early church, to now. And the beautiful part about it is God uses the finances of his body to provide for his body. And that's just the practicalities of it. Throughout scripture, we see God calling people to partner with giving. Now, we have been blessed at our church because our overhead is really low, right? So I've never had to be at a space to ask for money, and I, I trust I'll never be there. 
but it doesn't change the fact that God still calls us to give. Your generosity has provided a trailer. It provides all of the equipment that we have. It provides us being able to use this facility in, in the school district. One of my favorite things about being here, I know it's weird to walk up in front and have everybody stare at you. I get it. I get it, all right? The lights are shining, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm late. They're going to see me. But you know what? Our money gets to go right back into the school district. The money that we spend on this facility, the, it, it doesn't have to go through the red tape of the school district, and so they're able to use it at their own discretion for their teachers and for the PTA and for all these different things to buy things they need that they normally wouldn't have. That's awesome, right? But your generosity has been something that's partnered with that, that you've been able to, all the things that we've needed has been taken care of, and so I thank you. With that being said, part of this is loving God in return. It's giving to God what he's already given to us. Here's the reality with finances. The Bible says, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. One of the things I found in my own personal life with generosity is it reveals areas where I'm not trusting the Lord, right? Like, it's just like, God, if I believe that you've given me everything, if I believe that you're going to provide, then why sometimes do I get so afraid, right? Now, if you're not a place to give, don't. I don't want you to, like, not have your family eat, right? This isn't a a prosperity message where if you give, then God's going to give you tenfold, and you just got to trust the Lord. But there is a level when we give that we're trusting God. And there's an area going like, Lord, I'm giving this to you because I trust you, and you've given to me, right? And so there is an aspect of that. And so when it comes to us, we're ultimately responding to what God's given us, and we're recognizing that and giving it in return. And so here, we try to, we, like I said, you'll probably, probably be another year before I ever mention this again. But we do have practical ways. We have a QR code that allows you to connect to our website, allows you to um, connect and give financially there. And also, it's a way um, you can also, there's an info desk with a little table out there. Now, this is the reality is this. I never want you to give out a compulsion. And I, here's reality. We are in a place where God has very much blessed us. We don't know what the future holds. We may need a building one day, whatever. I'm not going to be there. But here's the thing. The reason for giving isn't because of need. The reason for giving is because God's stirring you to do it right? It tells us in 2 Corinthians that God loves a financial giver, or I mean a cheerful giver. So, like, I'm just trying to be practical in maturity here. I, trust me, there's nothing more uncomfortable than me talking about this, but as disciples of Jesus, we see it throughout scripture that disciples are, of Jesus are generous. Now, practically, generosity should go outside of this building, right? It should affect us when we're tipping people. Like, as followers of Jesus, we should tip well, even if the service is bad. Like, really, like, what is a better description of grace, giving somebody what they don't deserve, than when you have a terrible server, right? Generosity should affect our, how we see our neighbors and how we affect them. Generosity should practically show up into caring for other people. It should affect how we spend our time and our free time and our, how we play. Generosity is a tangible expression of the gospel of grace, giving to the undeserving, working itself out. So as I close, in, is, I'm going to close with this, the idea of generosity. We're generous because God's generous with us. We see that God has given us, um, he gave us Jesus, and Jesus did all the good that we were able to do, right? Like, this isn't even talking about money part, just generous with our time, generous with our talents, generous with whatever it's called. We serve a generous God. He gave us Jesus. Like, we're a people that can't do anything right half the time, and God in his faithfulness came and lived a life that we're not able to live. 
He was generous with, Jesus was generous with his life. He gave his life for us because as a people, we are unable to please God in every way. We sin, we mess up, we're not loving one another, whatever it may be. And we had a sin, we had something that had to be paid for. And Jesus came and he died the death that we deserve so that we could be forgiven. It's generous. Jesus generously offers us forgiveness of sins. He generously offers us righteousness. And all we have to do is accept it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to pay him back. We don't do any of that. We simply accept what Jesus has given us. And by trusting Jesus and his work for us, we're forgiven and made perfect. We're seen by God as pleasing to him. And God, in his generosity, invites us into his family through adoption. He invites us in. And it wants us to be a part of his family. And as we do that, God gives us his presence, the Holy Spirit, generously. And the Holy Spirit generously gives us gifts and gives us God's presence and loves us so that we can then share and be generous to others, right? It is a story of us caring and loving for one another because we serve a generous king. So with that, the worship team can come up and we'll close out our time.